This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We have company. We have a lot to discuss. There's a bunch of top stories to do. Gordon and I will kick it off next. Join us at 1-800-919-3776. Also, via X, formerly Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Harvey and Joe got the controls on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Hey, Gordon Damer. Larry Hardesty, what's going on tonight, my friend? Everything is good, partner. Everything is good. We got a lot of stuff. We got company back-to-back. Let's kick it off with uh, Rich Samini. Wow, ESPN. Rich has his own theme song now. That's, That's nice. A, oh, he's big, uh, big time, big time. Rich Samini, uh, part it. of the ESPN NFL Nation of Reporters. Rich, Larry Hardesty, and Gordon Damon, your weekly spot. How are you? Gentlemen, thanks for the theme song. I appreciate it. So, Rich, uh, something happened at uh, Jet Drive today? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk Tim Boyle, or is there another quarterback <laughs> you have on your mind? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I'll talk to the guy that's responsible for bringing Boyle here. Let's talk about him. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, number eight, Aaron Rodgers, uh, was on the practice field today. You know, uh, incredibly 11 days Exactly 11 weeks after his surgery, the guy's on the field throwing the football around, moving around a little bit, and uh, pretty pretty incredible sight to see that. I mean, just certainly when he had that injury on opening night, September 11th, no one, absolutely no one thought this was possible. Rich, I don't know how much of practice or, or him throwing the ball you could actually see, but of what you saw of him, was this basically the same as we've kind of seen him on the field before games, or was this more of an active Rodgers, and you can see the ramping up? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit more. Uh, we didn't. I didn't see him. We were able to watch for about a half hour. I didn't see him unleash any 55-yard passes like he was doing a few weeks ago before the game. Um, I saw him... Uh, in a very controlled environment, it was just an individual quarterback drill. You know, he worked on some dropbacks. He worked on uh, quick throws to wide receivers on air. There was no defense. This was not 11 on 11. It was just him throwing to some teammates. A lot of the time he was just throwing to, you know, equipment guys or ball boys. But he did throw to some teammates uh, on some routes. I saw him do some jogging in between periods, moving around the field. He jogged. Uh, was not running, didn't see any full-speed running. Also did not see him participate in a handoff drill, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, in the handoff drill, the way the Jets run their offense, it's a lot of outside zone. So those quarterbacks have to be able to move, you know, get the ball from the center, turn, and get to a spot very quickly to run that outside zone, that stretch play. And I did not see him do that, which tells me that maybe his footwork isn't to the point where he could execute that kind of play. But, you know, he looked good dropping back and throwing the ball, had some zip on the ball. And uh, his footwork was not nearly as pronounced or as crisp as the other quarterbacks. You could see this was a guy coming off an injury. But still, nonetheless, when you look at it from the big picture, you know, pretty amazing accomplishment to be out there. Rich, did Robert Sala talk about a schedule or any indication on where he would start to ramp up a little bit? I know that he's given us kind of his thought process of when he wants to be able to play, but is there any idea of how he's supposed to progress over the next couple of weeks? Well, they got three weeks to, to activate him or uh, leave him on IR. Now, they could activate him at the end of three weeks and not play him, 
that's certainly a possibility. You know, you know, wouldn't be like great roster management, but it's not out of the question. They could do that. So, yeah, I mean, the Jets and Sala did not want to give away any details, but, you know, they have a very, very detailed three-week program for him, like highly specific, you know, stuff, like right down to the rep. I mean, if it says he does five dropbacks in a practice, it's going to be five dropbacks. I mean, it's not going to be six or seven. They're going to stick to this plan that has been carefully mapped out by his doctor in Los Angeles, Neil Elitraj, who's working very closely with the Jet doctors, uh, wouldn't surprise me if they're like having conference calls every day on this. And so they'll, they'll ramp him up, you know, and then they'll see where he is at the end of three weeks and they'll have to make that decision. Rich, as we're sitting here on, uh, what is it? November 29th, almost the 30th. What, what do you predict? <laughs> do you think that he will play again this year? Uh, I would predict. No, I, I, I still think it's a long shot and, uh, you know, a lot of this is, as he indicated yesterday on the McAfee show, a lot of this is going to be on where the team is. You know, are they going to still be alive in three weeks? I mean, doesn't look that way. I mean, they've lost four in a row. They're four and seven. They have less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Now, Rogers says he wants the team to be alive. Now, it's possible they'll be alive. I mean, if they beat Atlanta – and uh, and just say they go one and two, so say they're five and nine going in to the Washington game. Um, you know, I guess they could be mathematically alive at five and nine, but does that mean he's going to play? Uh, I think what's going to happen, and this is just purely guesswork on my part, is that they'll sit down in three weeks. And the Jets will probably, you know, even if I give them a win, you know, but they'll probably lose, uh, you know, they have Houston and Miami after that. And so let's say they're, let's say they're five and nine after the next three games. I think, I think they'll just say, they'll come to the agreement that look, Hey, it's, it's, it's an awesome accomplishment that he's come this far so quickly, but Hey, Aaron, uh, maybe just sit it out. Let's start over in, in 24 and start fresh and strong and, and take a mulligan on this year. I think that's what will happen. It, it just wouldn't make sense. There wouldn't be any upside at all to play on a 5-9 and nine or 6-8 and eight team that is hanging by a thread. No, it doesn't make sense, and I agree with you, Rich. I mean, he's already proven a lot just by being able to come back and do what he's been able to do with practice, and the question is going to be, is that going to be enough for him? You know, is, was, to not be able to get well, on the field and play, that's that's going to be the question. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking to Alan Lazard today, and of course he knows Rodgers as well as, you know, just about anyone other than Randall Cobb, and you know, he said that Rodgers just has this competitive stubbornness to him, you know, where he's got to prove everyone wrong. It's part of what made him great as a quarterback, you know, that, that competitive arrogance and stubbornness. And But I think he has to – he's also a very smart person, as we all know. And I don't think he's going to – when push comes to shove, I don't think he's going to put himself in harm's way if he doesn't feel like he can do all the maneuvers that it takes for a quarterback to do in the pocket. And, of course – being able to protect himself. Now you can say, well, he's going to get rid of Rogers. He's smart. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly, but you just never know. I mean, the way the Jets offensive line is playing, I mean, there were guys coming free, free runners last Friday against Miami that, 
no quarterback couldn't could have got away from. So a, a guy trips on his leg, falls on the back of Rogers' leg. What happens then? So, you know, ultimately, I, I, it's just my gut. I think they'll just sit down and see where the team is and decide that, um, you know, it's an awesome accomplishment, like I said, to get this far. But, you know, let's err on the side of caution. Rich, there was a report this week that uh, as things stand now, it appears as if Douglas, Sala, and Hackett will all be safe and all will be back next year. Is it possible if this team ends the season on t- a 10-game losing skid that they would not make some kind of change with that trio? Uh, yeah, that, that, that would be uh, clearly a 10-game losing streak. I mean, last year they ended on a six-game losing streak and the offensive coordinator got you know shown the door. So, yeah. I mean, right now I would say, yeah, it's likely that all three of those guys would be back, but there is a lot of football to go, and we know how things change quickly in the NFL. And, you know, I think the Jets should be able to squeeze out a couple of more wins here, but uh, – you know, no. The answer is if they lose ten in a row, or they, or even if they finish like five and twelve, something along those lines. I, I think it would be hard for Woody Johnson just to bring everybody back. Um, now, if they win a couple or three more, then sure, I think I think then everyone will be back. I think it's part of the reason why Rogers wants to come back. I think I think he sees the heat that Nathaniel Hackett is getting, and he feels it's unjust, and he feels you know partly responsible. And I think that's one of the reasons why he'd like to come back, just to show that, you know, Hackett can be, an, you know, a competent coordinator when I'm running the offense. So that's, I think, one of his motivations. Uh, Rich, I think you're being very optimistic. Until this team proves they can score more than three points, I don't see them winning any games. And so, you know, now we've got Tim Boyle for another week. Is he on the short lease this week that we could see uh, Simeon, in, in, you know, in this game? Well, yeah, Larry, I mean, you're right. I mean, you, you can't win if you can't score. And, uh, I mean, this team has 10 offensive touchdowns in 11 games. Mm. So uh, that, that doesn't bode well for, for winning. Uh, you know, but they are facing a, an Atlanta team that has been struggling on defense the last few games, and uh, their quarterback, has uh, Desmond Ritter, has 18 turnovers. So I would think the Jets have an, a, a good opportunity this week. But, uh, yeah, Boyle... Uh, it was a rough outing last week. There's no question about it. I mean, he didn't attempt to pass, other than the fail Mary, he didn't attempt to pass over 10 yards until the fourth quarter. So seven sacks, um, some difficult decisions, you know, some bad decisions that he made. However, I think he took away a little bit of confidence from the game. Just they did, he, he did have some completions in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they were able to get a touchdown and, and put together a drive. Now, granted, Miami was playing softer coverage at that point, so they were willing to give up the short passes. So maybe that's a little bit of uh, padded stats for, for Boyle, but I think it gave him some confidence that he could do the job. At least that's what he was telling us today when we spoke to him in the locker room. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a short leash on Boyle, Larry. I just don't think this coaching staff sees Trevor Simeon as a viable alternative. So it would have to get really, really bad for Boyle on Sunday for them to uh, go to Simeon. Rich, the final one for me. Uh, I think that one thing that you could credit the Jets with this year as opposed to last year is they have been able to keep the team from having these public blowups that it seemed like they had last year. But with each loss, I would guess the, the odds increase of, of that happening. 
What's the sense that you get from talking to the players about where that frustration level is at right now? Yeah, they had a couple of those blow-ups early in the year. I think it was the New England game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, on the sidelines, some guys were, were getting upset. One of them was Michael Carter, who got booted. And uh, so, uh, you know, the other, I think, was Garrett Wilson. Of course, he was not going to get booted. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's frustration on defense, just to talk talking to some guys. I think it's different from last year. The frustration last year was mostly directed at Zach Wilson, just to the way he was playing and the way he was acting. This year, I think the defense feels like it's not. It wasn't just a quarterback issue; it was an everything issue. You know, every player was responsible. A ton of injuries on the offensive line. You know, some coaching as well factoring into that. Uh, so yeah, there is diff- there is frustration, but the defense has played poorly the last two games. So I, you know, they can be frustrated, but you got to look in the mirror at themselves. They just have not played up to their usual standard the last two games. And they need to turn that around quickly for this team to have any chance of winning games. So I don't think the frustration level is high, is high as it is last year. Um, and, but it's something to be watched for sure. It absolutely should be watched. All right, Rich. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Make sure your uh, phone is fully charged. We've got a lot of videos over the next couple of weeks to shoot while you're there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of distant uh, angles of practice video of Aaron Rodgers in the distance. Yes, for sure. Thanks. Great job as always, Rich. We'll talk to you down Thanks, the line. Rich. Enjoy the game Sunday. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Covered the Aaron Rodgers coming back, uh, throwing the football around, mm-hmm. you know, 21-day window to see oh. what they're going to do. Look at me, Larry. Look at me. I'm Aaron Rodgers. I put stuff up on the Instagram. I wonder if the, the amount of attention that he will get from just being back on the practice field uh-huh. will, be, will enough. be enough to suffice to hold him over. Uh, once he sees the offensive line up close, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that will do it. Who, who, who are these guys? <laughs> and, and, and I, didn't approve, I... I didn't approve any of these guys. Exactly. And why would I put my career in their hands? Oh, my God. This is – Larry, think of all the mistakes that the Jets have made. Yeah. For and all the years. continue to make. 50 years of mistakes. I know. I know. If they put him out there behind this offensive line, Mm-hmm. The oldest player in the NFL coming off that surgery, yep. that will skyrocket to number one. No question. That will be like Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life. That, that's how high a number one it will be. It will be number one for, for forever. All time. All time. All time number one. You're right. And then, Gordon, we have another breaking story, and that's yeah. why we bring in Pat Ragazzo, who does a great job covering the Mets for SI.com and, of course, other baseball teams. Pat, Larry and Gordon in New York. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Larry and Gordon. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. We're doing great. All right, so listen, uh, as a Met fan, uh, I expected to have you on when I saw this, this news. The Mets signed the pitcher. I'm like, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, I'm happy. I'm good. This is what I'm looking for. <laughs> Luis Severino, I'm a little surprised, Pat. What, what do you think of the move? Yeah, of course. I just think this is one of these moves where the Mets have a lot of holes in their rotation to fill this winter, and today was a step in that direction of doing so. Um, Of course, it wasn't the big sexy move that everyone has been waiting for and and will continue to wait for uh, this winter of uh, the Yoshinobu Yamamoto's or, uh, you know, the the Snell's. But 
um, you know, this was this was a solid low risk, high reward potentially move for David Stearns and the Mets and getting Luis Severino, who's a guy who, uh, you know, he, he's coming in on a one year prove it deal, thirteen million dollars, which you know you know the Mets can afford that type of deal, and uh, you know he could potentially be a back end piece of the rotation and. He was the former ace of the New York Yankees. I know he's dealt with injuries over the last several years and had the worst statistical season of his career last season. Um, but if he could be even close to the Luis Severino that we saw from 2016 to 2018, then uh, I know it's a long time ago now talking about it, but, um, you know, it, it would pay dividends for the Mets, uh, you know, and making a move like this. Pat, do you think this kind of gives us an idea of how David Stearns is going to kind of attack this, this offseason for the Mets, this Severino move? I think it's just only the tip of the iceberg, honestly. I mean, um, you know, like I said, Luis Severino really is, is kind of a depth move. He's going to be a back-end piece of the rotation, most likely. Um, the Mets still, even with the Severino move, the Mets have uh, Joey Lucchese and Tyler McGill slated in at the four and five spots in the rotation. We know they're not going to go into the season like that. Um, and then, of course, they signed Joey Wendell, which I'm sure we'll be getting to. And uh, these were just pure depth moves, I would say. And uh, I would expect the bigger moves to come. Uh, you know, starting at winter meetings next week in Nashville. Uh, any idea what they're thinking about bullpen-wise? I know we're talking starters right now, but the bullpen is also something that needs work. It is It is an area that needs work. Um, you know, they have Edwin Diaz coming back, you know, one of the best closers in the game, but coming off a very serious injury. Um, they let go of Adam Adebino, but, of course, he hasn't ruled out a potential reunion with the Mets on a, on a cheaper deal. And uh, Dave Robertson is still available. He's uh, going one to be available again. Uh, you know, he pitched great for the Mets in the first half of last season. They traded him to the Marlins and he struggled, but he's still, for his career, still one of the best leaders in the game, uh, you know, even at his, his age. And, uh, yeah, the Mets are going to have to make a, a lot of moves in the bullpen in, in several areas, you know, from the offense to the rotation and, and the bullpen, which is pretty bare. Uh, you know, the Mets are going to be having to add, uh, you know, a number of relievers and high leverage relievers this offseason to, uh, you know, the complement Diaz coming back. And you hope that. He comes back in the form of Edmund Diaz that we saw in 2022. That's the hope, of course. But, um, you know, you can't necessarily count on that either. So uh, they are, they are going to have to make some significant moves in the bullpen as well. How do you see Joey Wendell fitting in? Well, Joey Wendell is a guy, he's a career, uh, you know, he's a utility man, you know, very versatile. He can play third base, which is a question mark for the Mets right now. Um, but the Mets non-tendered Luis Guillaume this offseason. And, and I believe that, uh, the Joey Wendell move was a signal that he's going to be essentially taking over the role that Diorme had as a super utility guy uh, in the infield. And, and that's exactly what he's been in his career. Um, you know, I know he struggled with the Marlins last year, but uh, two years ago he was an all-star for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, um, you know, I think it's a nice veteran move, good clubhouse move, uh, you know, bringing a guy like that. Um, you know, who has some, ex- you know, loads of experience and versatility. And, um, and, and yeah, I think, again, it's just, uh, between the Wendell move and the Severino move, it's just kind of, uh, you know, kind of lower-level moves for the Mets to make, but the, I think they're really just getting started, you know, and, and we're going to see some of the bigger uh, signings and trades in the next couple of weeks. Pat, I'm a little curious to get your thought on this. I saw an interview not long ago with Adam Adovino who indicated that one of the reasons he didn't rush back to join the Mets was he was a little bothered by the way things happened at the end of the year, the way Buck was treated and the whole situation there. Uh, will will some players kind of look and and speak with their agents and kind of figure out and look at the Mets and try to see what they're trying to do here? Because on the one hand, they're saying that, you know, it's not really, we we don't think we're going to win. We're kind of, you know, 
We don't think we're going to be a World Series team, but we're kind of building up towards that. How do you think agents and, and players look to that, despite the fact that they can be gazillionaires with the money that uh, Steve Cohen can pay? Well, I think you just hit it on the head there. I mean, money does talk at the end of the day, and, and it's New York. It's the biggest market, biggest stage. And um, I know what, what Steve Cohen said at the trade deadline that, um, you know, they're ne- not necessarily going to be going for it in 2024 the way that they the way that they did, you know, the previous year with the highest payroll of all time. But the Mets are still going to be making moves. They, they still have, you know, the lust to attract and the capital, of course, to attract, uh, you know, some of the top free agents and names on the market. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's, it's not going to really have too much of an effect on them, I believe, just because, um, you know, they do have the most money out of any team and, and it is New York and, and they are going to put a, a team on the field that, you know, they expect to compete next year and, and uh, you know, at least be a playoff team. Pat, I know a lot of the focus is going to be on adding players, but one player that the Mets uh, have right now, it was future is a little bit up in the air is Pete Alonso is a year away from free agency. What do you think the odds are that the Mets um, decide to to maybe uh, like a decision this offseason, either signing long term, trade him this offseason? What is the possibility that there's a decision on Alonzo's long term future this offseason? Well, I really think what it comes down to is they've pretty much decided that they're not going to trade him unless they're absolutely blown away. And of course, it, it coincides with whether they see him with the franchise long-term, if they're going to keep him long-term, and if, if they think they're going to be able to come to an agreement with him on a long-term deal. You know, they, of course, have a number in their head and, and what they value him as, and, and him and his agent Scott Boris have their own version of that. And uh, I, I really think the most realistic path is that Alonzo is going to be the first baseman on opening day. He's going to be a Met in 2024, and then the Mets are going to have to try and sign him in free agency next year, which is something they just did last year with Brandon Nimmo and Edwin Diaz. And of course, Jacob DeGrom was a free agent and they lost out on him. But, uh, but I really do think that, um, you know, Alonzo going to Scott Boris's agency uh, makes it more likely that he's going to be someone who tests the free agent waters. And, and he's, he's earned that right. He, you know, with the best power hitter in the game since he entered the league in 2019, no one has more home runs, no one has more RBIs. And uh, he has the potential to be one of the best Mets of all time, if not the best, Mets hitter of all time. And, um, and yeah, I, I really do think that, uh, you know, signing an extension this off season probably isn't as uh, likely as him going and testing the waters next year in free agency. And, and the Mets are probably going to, you know, do their best and try hard to, to re-sign him and, um, you know, and obviously make him the Mets for life. But, uh, you know, of course, anything could happen from now until opening day. But, but that just seems to be based off previous interviews that, that that's the direction that it's headed. Pat Rogato is our guest, covers the Mets for SI.com, is ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Pat, uh, the Mets are dying at the D8 spot. They've tried a couple of different players there. It just hasn't worked. Obviously, that is one of the priorities. What are some of the names that we could possibly see where they try to make some moves or from a free agent standpoint or possibly even the trade to try to booster that, that D8 spot? Well, we've seen over the past two seasons, the Mets haven't really necessarily had a – specific DH. I mean, Daniel Bull go back last year, but he, you know, he went through since where he was benched and, you know, due to performance and then, you know, stretches where he played every day. And, uh, you know, the previous year they had the platoon at DH and they tried two different platoons and it didn't work out. So I think that, uh, you know, DH and just improving the offense overall should be a priority this winter. And uh, the number one name that comes to mind to me, I mean, there's other names out there, but JD Martinez just had a great bounce back here for the Dodgers. And 
you know, the Dodgers, like some of the other teams, like the Atlanta Braves, kind of have the mightiest touch with a lot of players who, you know, are cast-offs or, or struggling or, you know, in a downturn in their career, and they, they get a hold of them, and they just, um, you know, they, they just work their magic, and they get the best production out of them. And J.D. Martinez also reunited with his old hitting coach in L.A., uh, who was his hitting coach with the Boston Red Sox for a number of years. And, um, you know, that they kind of seem to have found something. So uh, that's the name I would look out for is, is J.D. Martinez. You know, he's, he's going to command some more money than he made in the one-year $10 million deal he, he made last year. But um, I think he would be a great pickup for the Mets and uh, would, would really improve their offense. Pat, last one for me. Uh, the Mets, they're going to do something big, right? At least one big thing. If you had to put odds on it, what do you think the big thing is? Is it Yamamoto? Is it something else? I think Yamamoto, but of course they're they're going to be in on Otani, but it doesn't seem. I think the Dodgers are the favorites to land Otani. Right. I think everybody knows that, and um, I just don't really see the Mets. Even though they have the money, I don't see them spending five hundred to six hundred million dollars on Otani. Um, I just don't see them making that type of move, especially in a year where they did say that you know they're not going to be spending the amount of money that they spent last year. If they sign Otani, then that's they're going to be spending more than they spent last year, but. Um, I think I think Yamamoto probably is their number one target right now, and, and that's probably the most realistic move. But at the same time, there's a lot of competition. The Yankees, Red Sox, a number of teams are in on Yamamoto and want his services. So it's it's probably going to go to the highest bidder, and it's going to be you know the Mets again. They they have the wiggle room to do that, but um, you know it's it's going to be tough to to land a player like that. But I, I obviously the Mets are in need of that because they don't have an ace at the top of the rotation right now, and that would solve that problem. But um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be tough. But but that's that's probably their number one target right now. Pat, you're going to need some more wood for that hot stove. It's just getting going here as we turn to December. So uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Pat. Uh, all right, that's Pat Ragazzo. Does a great job covering the Mets for SI. Gordon, listen, I, I have a lot of respect for Luis Severino. Uh, covered mm-hmm. him yeah. for a little bit, uh, but his lack of availability just concerns me. Um, and, you know, maybe a change of scenery is good for him, maybe kind of a change of scenery, right, coming over yeah. uh, to the Mets. And listen, it's true. If he can recapture what he was on the times that he was available, Gordon, even if it means putting him in the bullpen, because he was pretty good in the bullpen, uh, that would be a positive. I'm just a little – and I get it's high, low risk, high reward. I understand that. But, you know, when my whole thing from, from – my gazillion years of covering sports, Gordon, is just when guys get injured. Sometimes it's it's a it's a thing that they just can't shake. Well, look, I, I'm a big believer. There is no such thing as a bad one year contract. So uh, the fact that it's one year, thirteen, fourteen million dollars, uh, it, it's not going to break the bank. Certainly, it's not going to impact the other moves you make. And I just wonder if this is the way that the Mets are going to kind of approach it. Like they'll 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 go after Yamamoto. They'll go after a big pitcher. Uh, but the back end of the rotation, they're going to take some some shots on one-year deals and see what kind of pans out that way. And mm-hmm. then they've got the ace to lead the rotation if they can get Yamamoto or somebody else along those lines and then kind of fill it in and, and, and kind of let it see over the course of the season how it develops. One thing is clear. The Yankees couldn't figure out how to solve Luis Severino, so a fresh start someplace else with what was needed for him, for the Yankees, I think it's actually a good signing. I don't, I, I don't mind it. Mm, well. Every, there's always somebody that thinks they can fix you. Oh, of <laughs> Wherever course. Wherever you go, there's right. always somebody. And he's only 30 years old. It feels like yeah. he's much older than that it because does. he's been around for so long. But he it has does. been hurt a lot. Last year, it seemed like the velocity was still there. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees just had no idea of how to fix him. 
Now the Mets get their shot. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I like Luis Guillorme. Mm-hmm. I thought he was, uh, you know, a handy utility guy. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, bat better than glove, but his glove was not bad. Uh, so, you know, I don't know a lot about uh, the the new player that they have, Wendell. Joey Wendell, yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him. But, you know, listen, it's, it's obvious that uh, – also, the Mets aren't sure what's going on at third base either. So I don't know. They may end up doing something at third. They've got, you know, you got the Alvarez is really the the best player that you've seen from them to give you some consistency. And he had some down times last year too. I mean, we talk about how great he was home run wise, Gordon, and how better he was defensively than we thought. Mm-hmm. But he had some stretches where he struggled as well. So, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm curious to see where this mixture of, you know, as you mentioned, just. Maybe one year, two year, the most contracts, unless it's a big, you know, a big, big ticket item on how the Mets are looking to build this team this year. Yeah, I mean, I, look, if you hear the name Joey Wendell during the season, uh, I'd be surprised. I mean, he's one year, two million dollars. He's a filler kind of guy. He, he, one time he had some decent speed, never really had much pop. Uh, could play a couple of different positions. So, um, Hopefully that's that, that's all you're asking from Uh-oh. a 33 year old with a, a career OPS of under 700. Uh oh, I know I heard that before. What's that? You don't if you hear if you hear his name. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it won't be at the same level. He's easily replaceable, and I would think that the Mets, if they saw him go out there, would be like, "This guy stinks. Let's just keep throwing him out there. He yeah. he's due. We we see we see uh, improvement." Okay. I just oh, got boy. a little concerned when I heard yeah, that. No, in a, I, in a yeah, I, I, I should have been more careful with my words. <laughs> I, I apologize. So according to SNY's Andy Martino, talks between the Yankees and Padres have progressed to the point of exchanging names on players. Mm-hmm. Gordon, are there – now this is kind of weird. I'm going to ask you. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. We're talking Juan Soto here. First of all, if you're going to trade for him, you have to be prepared to pay him because you know that this is a walk year for him. Okay, right. so we, we understand that. So if the Yankees are interested and in trying to bring him here, they are prepared to pay him to stay here. So that's logical to assume. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't think that they would do it right away because he's a Boris client and he, right. he almost certainly wouldn't sign a contract before mm-hmm. he has to. He wants no, to, I agree. To, to test free agency, but mm-hmm. I, that impacts what you have to give up. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, some of the names you hear, Jason Dominguez, Volpe, Michael Kang, you know, know, the the K-Show was talking about it earlier today. For you as a Yankee fan, because it's Juan Soto, is is there deal breakers? Like, okay, you can't have this guy. Well, I'll I'll take Soto. I love him. I want him. He's going to do wonders, left-handed bat. He's a phenomenal player, doesn't strike out, great eye, has some power, lefty bat at the stadium is just what we need. Judge has, you know, protection now if we put him in there. Is there any player that's that's no i can't i i if, there's if no i have point. to give him up no nah, i'm not doing there's the really no deal breaker now i'm not going to give up all the players right like if you're saying mm-hmm. i have to give up the, i i don't think that they're going to give up volpe i don't think that they're going to give up dominguez mm-hmm. I, I think that those guys would be off the table um now they wouldn't be off my table but i'm just thinking right. the yankees I, I think it's more like a spencer jones who's a very highly regarded prospect maybe it is a michael king maybe it's a clark schmidt they really need pitching mm-hmm. they have to replace a ton of, I think they have to replace like 500 innings in their starting rotation for next year. And, and um, what is it, 600? 700 innings in their rotation? Wow. Keeps wow. going up. This inflation, Larry, it just wow. keeps going up. 
But wow. by the time the show's over, it's going to be eight fifty. They need Gary Cole. They, they they need to they need pitchers. They need a lot of pitchers. So uh, I would think the fact that Clark Schmidt, uh, you know, did okay in the majors last. Now that's it's not just going to be Clark Schmidt for Juan Soto. I right. realize that there's going to have mm-hmm. to be bigger prospects in there. But I think the pitching would be the thing that they would want. But no, there's no one. There's no one within the Yankee organization, basically, that I would say, no, I'm not trading him for Juan Soto. Juan Soto was there. I mean, I, I did not hear the K show today. I was busy running around, but I was informed that there was a, an opinion by somebody, I'm not sure who, that getting Juan Soto would not improve them or would make they, they would be worse as a result of getting Juan Soto. All I know is that since marijuana was legalized here in New Jersey, people have lost their minds. Because uh, <laughs> if you don't want Juan Soto, who do you want? I don't know. Who do you want? He's, he's, he's going to be 25 next year. He's one of the five best hitters in the sport. He, he's got a great batting eye. He, he leads the league and walks basically every single year. He's not really a high strikeout guy. This past year, he struck out 129 times which in these days, that's not really all that much. Nope. He's constantly on base. He, he's not a great, he was not a great left fielder last year. I think that San Diego kind of threw him for a loop. I don't think that he, he clearly did not enjoy his time there. But even if you take his worst stretch in San Diego in 2022, his OPS plus was still 127. Mm-hmm. So he was still 27% better uh, than the average player in that 50-game stretch or whatever it was. So, yeah, I I don't know. If you don't like Juan Soto or you don't think that he would be a good fit on the team, I I don't know. Who do you want? It's a no-brainer from looking on the outside. I mean, it it, it seems like a perfect fit. I am a little puzzled. It doesn't really seem like there's a huge market for him. Now, maybe it's it's just it's playing out. Out of the out of the spotlight, or that there's more focus on Yamamoto right now, or Otani, or maybe things haven't really heated up yet, or or maybe it's just the Yankee-centric prism that I view things through. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the Yankees are the only team being mentioned with them, and that that kind of worries me a little bit. Well, I, there's a, I think there's a reason why, and I'll share it with you next. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Gordon, let me let me give this before we get to the phones. I just think this whole uh, story of oh that locker room with that clubhouse was terrible last year in San Diego, and they didn't do well. They ended up two games over five hundred to finish the season, and I think. Because they underachieved, he's being blamed as part of that. And I think in some, I think a part of it is th- people just aren't sure what he's going to bring to the table as far as the rest of their clubhouse. And B is the fact that I don't know if people think they can sign him. I don't know that, that there's well, a look, lot of teams this, that are like you know that's yeah. going to be a lot of money for us. That is going to be a lot of money, and and another another big type of contract that the Yankees already have a bunch of in Cole and and Judge and. Rodon and, and a couple other. That's a, to me. That's a separate question. Let's mm-hmm. get him here first. Yeah, let's get him yep. here first. He is your best. The Yankees' number one goal, more important than Yamamoto or anything else, they have to improve the offense. And I can tell you, given the the names that we know are available, I don't mm-hmm. know other names and trades could be available. Of the names that are available, there's no there's no singular player who would improve the Yankee offense more than Juan Soto. So uh-huh. let's get him here. He'll be fine. He'll fit in just fine. 
I this agree. idea he 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 oh he 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 might not uh, he might not do well in New York. I, I don't know. I, I think he'll be as a twenty year old. He hit three thirty three with a slugging of seven forty one in the World Series against the Astros. I don't know. I think I think he'll be, he'll be all okay. right. I think he'll be, he'll be okay. all right. Yeah, I agree. I just I'll think roll that the dice be, with that guy. I just think that might be some of the reason why you're not hearing a lot of other teams clamor in Maybe. this world with, with them because they're worried whether, you know, Borg, oh, we going to be able to sign this I can only imagine. Guy. Right, because you're going to sign him a year after Otani gets his money. Yes. So, so <laughs> let's say Otani gets 10 for $500 million. Scott Boris, his eyes are going to roll back into his head with excitement thinking about what <laughs> – what uh, Juan Soto is. Can you imagine the book he's going to produce on Juan oh Soto? Oh, it's going oh, to be leather bound. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Great video from yeah. all different it's gonna angles. It's going to be a collector's item. I, you know. I can see it on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> no I won't even be able to afford the book on eBay, never mind Soto. <laughs> You're right. 1-800-919-3776. Roscoe's in Brooklyn. What's up, Roscoe? Start us off on the ESPN New York tonight. And, and then Yankee fans cry about about nonsense. Listen, we're going to get a 25-year-old. I don't care what he did in San Diego. He got a ring, guys. Let, let's not forget that. He won a ring a couple years ago. We're going to get a 25-year-old left fielder that's going to hit home runs over that right field porch that you Yankee fans complain about. That, Why don't we got left-handed batters? Well, he is the left-handed batter that we need. I don't want Corey Bellinger. I don't want none of that. I want Soto here. Listen, Soto's going to want – he's going to – he's going to – you want that money, Soto? Earn it. This is the year right here. I, I, I feel like we're going to give up a couple of prospects and maybe somebody that Yankee fans are dying. Oh, he's a, he's a homegrowner. And what has Cashman done? But listen, if Cashman – could just make this happen and also get my man Moto over here. Uh, then, then Cashman has some some say. But right now, the, the main objective: do what you gotta do to get Soto here because he's a he's gonna be one of the the best, and he's only twenty five, guys. Yeah, we know Roscoe. He 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 fits. He, look, he checks all the boxes. We agree. I, I we just want to know if you don't want him, who do you want? Yeah, I know. Who do you want? Who, who would you rather have than him? He's better than anybody who's being mentioned. Let's yeah. go with the guy who's better than anybody who's being mentioned. Because, you know, you have no control over Otani. You know, no, they're not. I, don't, I, don't, I really no don't think that they're getting Otani. I don't, I don't even think that they're going to be all that serious bidders. On I, I, uh-huh. I don't think that Otani wants to come here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just think that, uh, And know, I'll say this. Whoever so gives that, if, if he gets $500 million or something along those lines, some people say 500 is the starting point. Let's, oh. let's say 500. Wow. Whoever does that is making a mistake long-term. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a, that, that's going to be a mistake. It's not the way to go. You're, you're nope. bidding too high. You're, 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 yep. you're spinning it into a whole different, whole different level that, that, that's going to cost a lot of teams somewhere down the line. Cause, cause it's gonna go back, Gordon, to only the halves, and there's only like two or three halves that will be able to spend, put that type of money on a player. Yeah, that's, it's a lot. Now, if you're Steve Cohen, you can maybe do that because there is no budget. But right. for anybody else, the Yankees do have a budget. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they do need to boost those yes ratings. Absolutely. And you know, now that uh, they are subscriptions for streaming. It would yeah. be nice if you had, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, Gordon? It would be nice Absolutely. if you had, uh, Need you know, stars. 
Stars sell those networks, man. That's what they you do. know, Yankees, I don't think, ever drew 3 million fans until A-Rod got there. That's right. That's right. You know, critics were, boy, you have a Hall of Fame. It's like going through Monument Park and all the fields. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and that's why they had all those people in the stands. And that's how they were able to build that ballpark. Simple as that. That's how they were able to do it. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? Good evening, boys. How are we doing? What's going on, Tommy? How are you? So I'm 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 kind of in lockstep with what uh, you were saying earlier, Gordon. You know, Soto is definitely the one to go after. But like you said, he is a Boris client, and so you're you're not going to get any assurances that he's going to resign. So I think you have to do what you can to get him, but you also have to know that. I mean, think about the the trade or the, the uh, contract offer that he turned down from Washington when he was there. Fifteen you for four forty, I think it was. Yeah, exactly. So you got to know you're on the hook for some, you know, some some big coin. Um, but I like I don't think there's any one player that's off limits. But you know, you can't. Uh, you're not getting Volpe and Dominguez. You know, I think you got right. You got you got Jones and you got Thorpe down in the minors. Yeah, I was joking with Joe Leo, and he made a good point. He's like, I'll, I'll give I'll give you five pitchers from AAA. You know, go to Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and you know, just take your pick. But um, you I, I'm not giving up all the position players for him. I would think that the the one that would probably be off the table for the Yankees Thanks, is is Vol. I don't think that they would move Volpe. Mm-hmm. I think I they agree. like Volpe more. Or Dominguez. Uh, I don't think they would move Dominguez either. But if push came to shove, I, I think that they would move Dominguez before they move Volpe. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they would as well. But uh, you know. What's the backup plan, Gordon? See, that's the next thing. What What's the backup plan? If this should somehow doesn't work or anything, mm-hmm. where else do they go? What What else is that? Now we start to do the Bellingers and the, we yeah, start, yeah, probably with, the, with that type of situation again. Yeah, probably. Uh, they would They would probably have to go down that road. Uh, I know there's been some concerns about some of his his analytics and his hard hit rate and all that type of stuff. But um, see, to me, the Bellinger one. That seems to me more a cashman move than Soto. Soto mm-hmm. is giving up players for a guy who's about to be a free agent, is a Boris client. That does not line up generally with how I think Brian Cashman would operate. Just going out and signing a free agent right. who does fill a need if he can play up to the level that he played this past year. Bellinger's a nice player. He can certainly field a position, could move to first base later on down the road. The problem is the Yankees already messed up the evaluation on Bellinger. Be- they should have got Bellinger last year when he was right. a bargain. Right, exactly, exactly. Now you're going to have to give him seven, eight years. I don't know. I just feel that the interest in Soto is above Cashman. The interest in Soto is go out and see what it takes, and then we'll worry about – you know, what we have to pay, and we understand we got to pay, but, you know, let's go out and see what, what it takes to move him, to bring him here. Let's figure that out first, and then we'll cross the other bridge when we get there. Exactly. That's what, I mean, that's, if I if I were Hal Stamper, that's what I would tell Cashman. Go, go, find, tell me what it takes to bring him here. And then bring all the baseball people, and, you know, and now the new bench coach, Brad Osmus, can come in and give us all the, uh, you know, all the analytics on what it takes. About, with the people I'll tell you one thing, do. that new hitting coach, he's going to look a lot better with Juan Soto sure here. Uh, that guy's a genius. Wow, look at what this guy's doing in left oh, field, huh? Can you imagine this? Aaron Judge smiles. Can you imagine the smile he would really have? Oh, my God. Soto hitting in front of Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge every night. <laughs> Lefty, righty. I, I think it would work. I don't know. I think, I think, the, I think that that would be improved. Uh, substantially. Substantially. 
much better than what we've seen. Much better. Oh, much. The left field. Oh, the left field. Jake Bowers and Billy Look, McKinney. They did the best they could. Aaron Hicks. They did the best they could. Yeah. You know, it's not their fault. They're not talented. I'll say this. They should have <laughs> saved some money on what they were spending on left field the last couple of years, and then they can use that to go and, and buy Soto. Well, listen, maybe they can, you know, find a way. You know what? If Cashman wants to prove something to me, give, give, trade, uh, uh, you know, Stanton. Show me something. Show me something, Gordon. Well, you, I've, I'm sure you probably could move Stanton. You just have to eat all the money. And, and I don't want to, I want, how about, can, can I trade him and eat half? I don't think so. I don't think so. Who would take that contract on? For a guy, uh, look, I'm sure there is probably somebody. <laughs> see, with that it. one, I think you got to wait to see who gets left at the altar, right? And who doesn't? Because it seems like there's all these teams that want to land all these big guys. There's not that many big guys, That's right. and there's way too many teams. Yeah. So when the Giants strike out again, trying to get some, send them to yeah, San Giants. Francisco. But I don't know. Does he want to go to San Francisco? He wants to go to the Dodgers. So well, maybe well, look, well, you need can't his, go to the Dodgers. Well, if, if the Dodgers <laughs> lose out on Otani, Otani's got to go someplace else. Mm-hmm. They can't get Soto. Soto goes to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Then maybe the Dodgers open up. He wants. He, he would go to the Dodgers, I think. He would go to the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers would take a shot on him at half price. Absolutely. And they might give you something. I, I'm good. <laughs> Just take him. Just take him. I'm good. I'm good. I want nothing in return. I don't, you don't need anything. I don't need, it's like when the wife is going out with the kids. Do you need me to pick you up? No, no, I'm good. You just... You just <laughs> Just load them up in the car, sweetie, and that's all I need. That's it. We're good. We're good. And don't rush back. I'm, I'm good. Uh, yeah, don't. no. Take your time. Take your time. You know, you want to go up down every aisle? It's fine. Stop at another store. Are you going to stop at Target, too? That's okay. It's all right. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here in the house. Act like you're with me. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. No rush. <laughs> Got the rest of our lives. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Boy, boy, we've been busy tonight. Came on the air rolling. You know, Samini, mm-hmm. Ragazzo, talking mad. Samini with, uh, you know, your guy. Look at me, the look at me man. Oh, my God. I mean, has anyone ever loved themselves as much as Aaron Rodgers loves him? Oh, my God. It's every Look at day. me. I'm Aaron Rodgers. Oh, it's every day with this guy. And he's played four snaps. I know. I know. And I saw an article. It might have been uh, on SI. I'm not sure. And uh, it might have been written by an actual person and not AI. But it said something along the lines of the Jets need to play Rodgers at some point this year to know what they got going into next year. All no, the they answers don't. are right inside me. No, no, no. They don't need to do that. No. They, they, need to, they need to see him no. with this offense to see where they need to make improvements. Stop. No, they, they if you don't know where you need to make improvements already without putting him behind that offensive line. Well, that's the start. That's, that's number one yeah, right there. Yeah. And until you, and here's the thing, when you get into the off season, until you have gotten to a point where you feel like the offensive line is beyond fixed, I don't mm-hmm. want to just fix. I want it beyond fixed. Nothing. It's like when you tie something down in the car and you go, nothing, that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's how, how much you have to fix the offensive line. And then you have to go find a, a secondary receiver. Yes. Or maybe a tight end. I saw today the, uh, the Athletic put out their first mock draft. Already? Yeah. 
And since the Jets and Giants are the Jets and Giants, I figured let me let me peruse it. Mm-hmm. They have the Jets with the eighth pick in the in the, in the first round, Larry, mm-hmm. selecting a tight end. No, stop, <laughs> Larry. Stop. You can't. God take a tight does not end love the, me that much to end. allow the Jets to take a tight end in the first round with the eighth pick in the draft. They're not. People would riot. They would. They would have to remember that one clip that they had of all the Jet misfires in the draft. Yes. Yes. And they just took him, boom, boom, boom. Kyle Brady, yes, and exactly. Oh, they'd have to, they'd have to unearth that clip. That clip would get another chapter. I mean, even though I know this is a franchise that took two safeties back to back, back to I back. I get it. Right. I get it. Neither of them are here anymore. Neither one of them. No, nope. I get it. Although Joe you traded Douglas. one, and you got a you know nice little haul back. Mm-hmm. But no, they're not going to do that. They they know they need a, they need an old lineman desperately. No, that wasn't Joe Douglas. That was that was. Uh, McCagnan, no, was before right? Joe. Yeah. That was McCagnan. Yeah. The names run together after a while. Yeah, Idzik, McCagnan. Oh, Idzik. Idzik was... Idzik I'll say was one thing, though. Idzik has got to run for his money in the shadow GM. The shadow GM has about the same hit, right, hit, hit rate as, uh, as Idzik. He hit <laughs> like know. 12 picks in that one draft, and yeah. there wasn't a guy on the team. None of them. Like three of them, three years later. None of them. Unbelievable. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha. Buddha? Buddha. Uh-oh. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha's gone. Oh, no. Buddha, Don't say that. We talked uh, We talked Jets. You, you talked he, tight he end said, number eight. You know, he passed he, out. We, fi- we finally broke Buddha. <laughs> he passed we out. We finally broke him. <laughs> we brought up McCagnan and Idzik, and he said, you know, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. He's McCagnan, thinking about this, his father's words about don't root for this team. Exactly. McCagnan. Like Idzik. a PTSD flashback. And a tight end at eight. He, oh he couldn't God. do it. Could you he was done. A tight he was done. end at eight. They're not taking the tight end. No. I, I think that what the – I didn't really look at it that closely because the draft is 150 days yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was these are the prospects. These are the best prospects for this right. draft. And this is kind of where they should go. And this team – I mean, look, the Jets could kind of use a tight end. Not, it's not well, just number one or number two year. atop the, the list of priorities. But yeah. No, they need they need oh much more. Oh my gosh! If they they uh, need much more. Much could more. you imagine? Oh, it's unbelievable. The Jets it, it in the first be, round select tight end. No, Aaron would not stand for that. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think so. You know. And uh, you know, listen, I, I'm with Samini on this, Gordon. If if this is a five six win team, they're not bringing everybody back. They can't. I, I, well, the way the report was worded was they are. It's almost like. As of right now, right. they are preparing all to be back. Right. Everybody prepares to be back until you're not back. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, until they prove they can score, <laughs> they're not winning. And I, I don't know why you would think that Tim Boyle is going to be any better this week than, than I last don't. week. I don't. And I By know the, the way, have you seen the new episode of Hard Knocks? I have not. It's Dolphin related, so I'm, I'm obviously you're all filtering in. it through those. Mike McDaniel had a a cut in the in the show that was uh-huh. as funny as anything that has ever appeared in Hard Knocks, and the Jalen Phillips injury uh-huh. was maybe the saddest thing, the saddest footage that they've ever shown in Hard Knocks. It was a- absolutely an unbelievable episode. I gotta check it out. I gotta check it out. All right, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow night when we follow the Knicks. Sounds good. All right, that wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us as always, Harvey and Joe. Great job tonight, guys. You really came through for us with some updated folks and guests. 